You deserve a moment to yourself every single day. And a delicious bite of a Keebler Sandies can give you that comforting pause. Don't forget to pack the melt-in-your-mouth magic of a Keebler Sandies for a post-lunch pick-me-up. This magic is baked into simple shortbread cookies by Ernie and the Keebler Elves. So as life continues to fly by, make the most of your me moment. Take a pause and enjoy a Keebler Sandies. When you have health insurance, it's easy to forget about your out-of-pocket costs. That can be a lot of money. But are your bills accurate? Well, it's estimated that over 50% of medical bills contain errors. HealthLock can help you. HealthLock technology securely connects with your insurance and flags any overbilling, wrong codes, and fraud. You can even have HealthLock work on your behalf to get money back from select past bills. To date, HealthLock has helped its members save over $130 million. So to save, visit HealthLock.com today. That's HealthLock.com today. Welcome to Beyond the Scenes, the daily show podcast that goes a little deeper into segments and topics that originally aired on the show. Like, look, this is how you got to think about this podcast. If the daily show is a salad then we're the toppings that make you want to eat that salad. The croutons, the grilled chicken, the Caesar salad dressing, or French or balsamic vinaigrette or whatever the hell you prefer. We all know that honey mustard's the champ. We got it for you. We're diving into the world of esports today based on a segment from Daily Show correspondent Michael Costa. This segment took a deeper dive into the growing professional gaming industry. Roll my clip. Competitive video gaming, known as eSports, is booming. There's even a training center with five training rooms and six locker rooms. The Olympics are considering adding eSports. I went to California to a so-called training center in someone's garage to talk with these athletes about why video games isn't a sport. What the hell is this? This was the Alienware training facility for eSports Team Liquid, complete with scrimmage stations, a war room, PR department, a team coach, and even an in-house chef. The team's star, whose name is Taco, was acquired from Brazil's top team. This is a real sport. You call yourself an athlete? Yes, of course. We compete, we go to tournaments, we travel a lot, we got some money. What is an eSport athlete? Mr. Taco do every day? Just practice. Yeah. I'm a former professional tennis player. That's what I would call like a, a real sport. There is an opponent and you would relish the opportunity to defeat them with your racket. What do you actually have to show for what you're doing? Yeah, but come on, I have a, a really strong finger. A finger? Yes, this finger I've killed at least one million people. That finger's killed one million yes. people? At least. To help break this down a little bit more for us, I'm joined by my fellow Daily Show correspondent and Michigander, Michigander, Mich- Mich- how do I Michigander was right. Trust your instincts. You had it. Okay. Yeah, Michigander, and I'm going to learn from you what you learned about making this segment. Costa, how you doing? I'm good, man. Thanks for having me, and it feels odd to even be called in on this piece because I was such a skeptic going in. And uh, now, on, like how professional? So you got yeah, flipped. an e-sport. I mean, I never, you know, <laughs> I grew up with sports. Not what's this e? Why is there a, why is there a vowel in front of it now? So, but I was really impressed, and 
turn the corner, so to speak. But obviously, your other guests can really talk about esports. Yeah, and that other guest is a Call of Duty player for the LA Thieves, Sam Octane LaRue. Sam, how you doing? What's going on, guys? I'm glad that we uh, glad we converged, Michael. I like that. That's that's good. I know you were a skeptic beforehand, but see, that's just it's good. We're one at a time. I like that. <laughs> yeah, I, I was a reluctant convert. Oh, Excuse okay. me. I was so you didn't, even, you didn't even want to in the first place. Okay. Yeah, yeah. I was reluctant, and you won me over. So that's that's a testament to how fun this can be. I like that. Well, are you a video game guy at all, or or not? Not at all. Nothing. Okay. Ever since the controller had more than the A and B button. <laughs> Lord, are you serious? Not even a Sega Genesis. I mean, Roy, I remember walking into you and Ronnie's office and you guys would be playing whatever. And I was just like, this looks cool, but I am so intimidated. <laughs> oh, yeah. Ronnie and okay. I on a slow week where they didn't need us. Oh, yeah. Oh, okay. Bitch, I, I just we had got, everything set up. I like to see where we're starting here. This well, and I don't okay. want to jump ahead, but when I said about the piece, and, and I guess this is how I got converted, I like watching anybody try to compete and perform under pressure. Mm-hmm. And once you realize that esports, that's all, that's what it is. That's fun. That's fun for me. That's how okay. I am about most things. If I know someone's yeah. going to be disappointed and crying at the end right. of the confrontation, <laughs> it's usually my cup of tea. I can even yeah. watch Chopped Kids. Sam, let's start <laughs> with that E okay. in front of esports. You know, describe that world to us and tell us how long you've been a professional gamer. <laughs> Oh, man, we're summarizing esports. Okay, uh, competitive video gaming is something that is, well, used to be extremely taboo. I'm happy, you know, Michael is a perfect example here that it's uh, a little bit more mainstream than it used to be for sure. Um, but like I said, it was it was taboo years ago. And um, the older generation of just most people in general, whenever you say that you play video games for a living or, you know, whenever I get into an Uber and they're asked where I'm going, what I'm doing, um, and I tell them the, the usual reaction is, oh, my, my kid plays video games, or oh, how do you do that? And it's a very very um, misunderstood topic, I could say. So I'm happy to see the progression that it's made over the last couple of years because video games has, a, well, at least used to have a pretty rough stigma around it. You know, people being lazy. It wasn't a productive thing to do with your time. It makes you blind. Um, it ruins your television. You, yeah. Exactly. Uh, you couldn't you couldn't make a living off of it. It was just a, a huge time sink. And I'm happy that um, the the outlook on on esports and video games in general, like I said, has changed over the last couple of years. Um, but it's just competing at the highest level in whatever chosen video game you would like mine happens to be call of duty but there's countless out there the way i've tried to explain it to people is that it's really not that different than going to a video game arcade back in the day and you and five or six different guys would all try to get the high score on whatever the hell pac-man galaga whatever you're just doing that online the only scope of knowledge that i had of esports growing up was madden like you know <laughs> you know I, I went to college at a place where people would play madden for money in the dorm, in the, you know, in the TV room or whatever. And then eventually at some point ESPN had like a Madden league that used to come on at like four in the afternoons on ESPN five or some shit. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh yeah, that makes sense because I've seen people do that here. But then once it got into like the bigger world of like all of these role-playing games and the first person shooters, I'm like, well, how, where's the money coming from with that? Mm-hmm. Like, how does the money flow from that because this is being broadcast on twitch and the internet and i'm assuming it's no different than a broadcast network where you turn you advertise to all of the eyeballs right exactly it's very uh it's very similar to traditional esports in 
uh, at least my neck of the woods. Um, I play in a franchise league, so similar to an NFL or an MLB. Uh, it's a city-based franchise league. I obviously play for the Los Angeles team. So uh, there are ways to compare it to traditional esports to help people kind of figure out how to navigate the waters. But it's definitely a little tricky because, like you said, people don't know where the money's coming from. And you hear these absurd figures like... Um, and there's a game called Dota, and they're like basically their Super Bowl. Uh, it was a $40 million tournament. So people are very reluctant and very confused when they hear the numbers being thrown around. Like I said, it's because it was so taboo years ago. Um, the transition of like trying to understand the landscape is a little bit uh, challenging for people at times, for sure. It's a little, it's, $40 million is a little different than uh, Madden in your dorm, for sure. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. They, they was fighting in them dorms. They was uh, <laughs> competition's probably about the same. Yeah. The, how do you how do you get into this? Because this is one of them careers that now, like, do you feel like Costa, like at this point, like, ah, why did the teacher tell me about this shit <laughs> when I was in right. the third grade? I'd have stuck with that Sega Genesis. How do you get into this world? Like, how do you even make a team? Like, are you so good at Call of Duty as an individual that you get a call? Is it like the Matrix? Does someone knock at your door and say, follow the white rabbit? Like, how do you get pull deeper and deeper into this world and then see it as a viable career path. So I think I, I, I'm very confident. I could say that like 95% of people start out as a casual video game player because they're doing it, whether it be for fun or it's just a game that they enjoy in general. I, I think there are very, uh, very few cases where people actually just start playing and want to play competitively immediately. Um, in my case, I just loved playing Call of Duty and loved playing video games my entire life. Um, I've been playing since I could hold a controller essentially. Um, and I kind of tripped and fell into a career, to be honest with you. I was playing recreationally, like I said, um, and I had met some friends online that introduced me to the world of competitive Call of Duty. I didn't even know it existed um, when I was playing. I was kind of just in my own little bubble, uh, wasting time, essentially, uh, in high school. And my friend uh, at the time, like I said, that I met online, um, he wanted to travel to this event. And it was so strange to me. And, you know, I was like 16. And um, I didn't even know if I was good. But, you know, when I'm 16 years old, traveling across the country to play at a video game event just sounds like a great idea so yeah. naturally i did it i begged my parents and i don't know why they let me do it but they did uh, so shout out to them um and i kind of just tripped and fell in love with it it was uh it, it was completely accidental and i think that's um honestly the best case scenario because it's you know my my livelihood today roy in the piece i interviewed rick fox former lakers champion echo fox uh, the, hell, the hell is he doing there well, exactly. So this is, I, I'm sure. I mean, no I, disrespect to Rick Fox. I don't want him to beat my ass. <laughs> <laughs> well, and I remember when we were pre-producing the piece, I think one of my questions was, can we get, excuse me, Sam, I'm just going to speak frankly. Mm -hmm. I said, can we get a real athlete that maybe has got into esports? Because I don't want to sit <laughs> with an athlete. I want to sit with someone that like. Oh, don't ever athlete. say that again. Whatever, whatever the term is. Oh, shit. But, man, there was that something really powerful about a guy wearing his Lakers World Championship ring. It's, right? easier, he, to, it's easier to connect with. It's easier, it's easier for it's me a, to connect with, for exactly. sure. Exactly. What are you doing with these nerds, man? You're a real athlete. And so are they. What the shit are you talking about? Me and you, we played real sports. You know, you can see our balls in our pants when we played. In our era, I think there was no shame around pursuing a career. Uh, in professional sports because you can get a scholarship to college, which, by the way, you can get as an eSport player now. Uh, there's a number of colleges that are building eSports arenas on their campuses. This is all great, yeah. but let's get down to brass tacks here. 
How much do these athletes make? Probably the best top laner in the world in one of our games. He makes probably 800,000. What? And he talked about how, I think he has a son, or maybe he was talking about one of his players, I don't know, but their parents were like, stop playing video games, you know, go outside, go outside and play. And then one of his athletes had just signed like a $3 million contract. And it is very funny because my mom, I mean, we played Super Mario. We played, you know, my mom, get outside. I'll, you know, you'll, I'll give you an hour of video game time if you go outside all day. Yes. You know, and it's really like, yeah. my mom, you really blew my financial opportunities. And I blame my mom <laughs> to this day. Your mom's the reason you're not a professional esports player, huh? Right. Okay, so Costa, it, staying in that lane, what yeah. were some of the other, like, similarities and differences between like traditional sports and esports are they getting timeouts are they getting water breaks between every yeah. round like <laughs> do you have a corner man get him rock the gloves we're dropping the gloves on, we, yeah we went to team liquids training facility in santa monica and when i walked in okay quickly about me i played minor league professional tennis dedicated much of my life to tennis never got to the highest level in tennis that i wanted to but I walked into Team Liquid's training facility and I said, this is a tennis academy. I mean, there was a chef who cooked us lunch. There was a training facility. There was a breakdown room where you would where you'd break down video. Watch footage. Uh, watch footage. They had mental coaches, maybe the wrong word, uh, on staff. They had m lots and lots of people whose job it was to facilitate and make sure the athletes were ready to compete. And as soon as I walked in the door, I, I just had this feeling of like, oh, shit, I got to go put my tennis <laughs> shoes on and go practice. It just felt like that. So there was a lot of similarities. So, Sam, in that world, I would assume that diet and sleep help your mental acuity, which makes you quicker and more analytical. Mm -hmm. um, what is the typical training day? Like, I, like I'm not going to say you don't need to be physically fit. I feel like you do. It definitely helps. I, I've, I've been on both sides of the spectrum of physically fit and not physically fit while competing. It definitely helps. Um, How does that tax your body? So it's it's much more mental. It, it, don't get me wrong. You're, we're, I'm not going to sit here and pretend that we go through the physical uh, strain. Right. That, and I'm not uh, going to. I'm not going to agree with that players. either. Of course, I mean, naturally. I would love to do a, a side by side cholesterol <laughs> or blood pressure test of an athlete versus a. We could athlete, run a, a, a forty right now. We'll, we'll see how it goes. <laughs> no, but still, um, sitting in a chair, like because I've noticed them gaming chairs. Costa, you ever sit in one of them gaming chairs? Dude, they, they're they're it's outrageous. They are kind of ugly, but so comfortable. They're not yeah. comfortable. Oh, my God. They're not comfortable. <laughs> um, I actually prefer the office chair side. Anyway, uh, so like I said, it's all it's it's essentially all mental. Um, obviously, being in, in better physical shape is just better for your life in general. That impacts all aspects of your life, not just yeah. you know video games. Um, but to, to Michael's point, how he mentioned the infrastructure behind Team Liquid's uh, facilities and all that, that's that's pretty much the, the standard throughout the majority of uh, tier one esports. That's when you talk about League of Legends or, or Dota or Counter Strike, Call of Duty, um, all of these things. That is the, the the standard. We have a chef as well. We have mental performance coaches. We have all of these things, and I think that that's another thing that people really uh, can gravitate towards and understand. Because when you know you watch these videos of like behind the scenes of I don't know the Chargers. Uh, facilities you'll you'll see like their locker room you'll see where they watch their uh their game film or vod for for us um you'll see where the chef prepares their meals it's it's a it's a one-to-one -one comparison so i think that that's another thing that can help bring people uh towards esports in an easier light um and to, to your point roy uh it's 
it, it's all mental. It, it's it's ninety five to five, I would say, in terms of of, of mental, and um, that's arguably worse because you can become your own worst enemy pretty quickly because uh it's it's very performance based and obviously you know traditional sports are as well but you can get hurt and you can go out for the season and that's not really i mean it's not your fault that's just an unfortunate circumstance whereas in esports it's entirely on your performance and there's really bar like an extreme circumstance there's no excuse it's you either played well or you played poorly and there's it's not like the defense sucked but i did my job it's not like it's not like i threw for 400 yards and three touchdowns but my defense led up you know 40 points it's like i went out and i either helped my team win or i helped my team lose so there are very strong uh you gotta mental health for sure are you guys drug tested this is not a joke i mean if it's that (laughs) mentally straining yeah there's all types of Legal focus. and Ill- illegal focus yeah. drugs, and I know there's stories in the NFL of there being bags of greenies that guys pop in there, you know, before halftime that keeps them focused, keeps them energized. Amphetamines. So we are drug for testing. real. Is that yeah? Tell me, please talk yeah, to. We are drug testing. Okay. Um, that was something that came with the uh, the CDL when we started franchising a couple of years ago. Uh, before that, it was kind of the wild wild west, and you could do what you want. And it was like a tough, it, it was just, there wasn't enough money for it because drug testing, I don't even, right. I didn't even know this. It's extremely expensive to do. So, uh, once the CDL hit and there was a large influx of money, you know, millions and millions of dollars, uh, the league's drug policy and just the franchising in general really cracked down. Um, and now yeah. there's, it tests for everything under the sun. And when you say CDL, we're talking about the call of duty, call of duty league. league. Yeah. Okay. Now what are you all drug tested for? What are the prohibited the substances? <laughs> Everything so no um, weed. I mean, the, the big ones, cocaine, heroin. I'm sure crack is no, frowned upon. Of, there's none of, none of that. <laughs> um, you could have a legal prescription for Adderall. Yeah. So there's happen. things called TUEs. Uh, I think it's therapeutic use exemption is the okay. acronym. Um, and there are people in the league. I have friends of mine that can that vouch for this as well. When you have ADHD, it is very hard to actually just function as a person without, yeah. uh, you know, Adderall or whatever you're yeah. on because you need to come back to zero. It's it's not or come back to 100, whatever it may be. It's not like you're yeah. taking it to be better. It's taking it to be like a neutral. Um, yeah. So there are cases like that, which I have, like I said, I have very close friends that are like that as well. Um, so there are times you have to go to a doctor, you have to go through. The, the process to be like, look, are you trying to do this because you need it or are you trying to do this to get a competitive edge? So yeah. CDL does a phenomenal job on making sure that that line is correct and there's no one pushing the boundary. Now, to that point after the break, I want to talk exactly about that a little deeper because I want to talk about the mental health implications of what, you're, what you've already kind of alluded to, putting pressure on yourself and knowing it's your fault that you <laughs> sucked, David. And right. how do you unpack that? And if you need to address that pharmaceutically, what does the league do to help? And just, I just want to talk about the mental health implications of what your job, because it seems stressful in any job that's stressful. There is definitely a pill that could help you with it. And I want to talk about that a little bit more after the break. This is beyond the scenes. We'll be right back. The wait is over. The shy is back on Paramount plus and the stakes have never been higher. Everything changes on the South Side when a new threat comes to power in the Showtime original series from Emmy winner Lena Waithe. Battle lines will be drawn, alliances will shift, and danger lies around every corner, leaving everyone to wonder who they can trust. Visit ParamountPlus.com slash shot to get a 50% discount off the Paramount Plus with Showtime annual plan. Offer ends July 14th. Subscription auto-renews. Restrictions apply. Like many of us, you might think identity theft will never happen to you. But consider this. There's a new identity theft victim every three seconds in the U.S. That's over 15 million people by the end of this year 
equal to the populations of New York, Los Angeles, and Chicago combined. Even worse, identity theft victims often don't even know they're victims. That's why LifeLock Identity Theft Protection alerts you to identity threats, even the ones that don't show up on a credit report, like data breaches, fraudulent bank transactions, loan and credit card applications, and crimes committed in your name. If your identity is stolen, your own dedicated LifeLock U.S.-based restoration specialist will work to fix it. LifeLock protects you in ways that you simply can't on your own. Join now and save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com slash news. That's LifeLock.com slash news to save up to 25%. Identity theft protection starts here. Sam, you know, we love talking about your practice schedule and everything that goes into preparing. First off, like in hours, how long are you doing this? Like if football, yeah, if football is like nine to six with two a days and a break in the afternoon for massage. Oh, so you want a full schedule breakdown? Well, no, not a full schedule breakdown, but just from sunup to sundown, how long are you holding a video game controller? Uh, between 10 to th- 13 hours, 14 oh, hours. Shit, you crazy. <laughs> a day? <laughs> yeah. How many days a week? Do you get Friday, Saturday off? Like six. Six days at 13? <sighs> Is that? And that's that's a me thing. That's not a that's not the okay. standard. There are there's plus and minus, obviously. Um, but if you want to win, you got to put the hours in because if you're not going to do it, then someone else will. So I've been around the block. I've been playing for, you know, eight years at this point, nine years. Uh, so I understand what it takes to win. And I've won a lot. So it's uh, it's a lot of a, a lot of trial and error throughout my career to, to, to find the spot where I know that I'm putting in the work required to win. And right now it's about that time. Are you playing Call of Duty or are you working on a specific exercise to improve a specific part of your game? Um, so you guys asked me if, if it's controller held the entire time and it's not. It's probably it's, it's probably like eight hours of playing. And then the rest is either VOD review on the day, uh, talking with coaches or my team to figure out, you know, plans or strategies for the strategies. next day of scrims or talking in general about practice and improvement, um, whether that be game planning for matches that are upcoming or if we're traveling, talking about our schedule and bracket and all yeah. that kind of stuff. So, um, yeah, I mean, for the actual the schedule throughout the day, uh, we practice from 11 a.m. to give or take 6 p.m. Um, those are two scrim blocks per day with a break in the middle. What's a scrim block? Scrimmage? Scrimmages, yeah. So okay, okay. other teams. Um so you have two of those a day uh, with a break in the middle, obviously, for, you know, lunch. And we'll talk about the game plan if we're, we're doing things properly, if we're addressing the issues that we want to talk about for that day. Um, and then afterwards, when you get home, uh, I'll usually stream on Twitch. And then that's kind of the, the extra time. I mean, I'll stream for four to five hours per night. And I'm also playing COD during that time as well. So it's the, the overtime, uh, essentially, that kind of pushes those hours. Really. Do you ever have fun? Do you ever just go, today I want like... <laughs> no, it's really fun it, it's uh, you know the it's a cliche but if you like your job you know you're not going to work a day in okay because you it's was in the work you know. voice just now that was a work octave yeah. well you know you got to train and then you study right. the other team strategies and you figure it yeah, out yeah it's uh, i mean it's video games man it, it at the end of the day it is my job and it is how i make a living but it is video games at the same time so i i have a, a ton of fun doing it it's competing obviously competition is great if you're losing all the time competition is probably not that great uh but yeah, I mean, it's it's video games, man. It cannot be fun. This this is where I appreciate traditional sports, mm-hmm. in that you cannot play that many hours. 
you know, you yeah. even in tennis, Physically even at our even at our even at our most high training of two a days in college where it was two and a half in the morning, two in the afternoon. I mean, the the last the second half of that second workout is basically you just feel horrible. Well, it's just it's it's counterproductive. You're just, you're just you know you're out of, of yeah you're out of you're out of energy. So chalk one up for the traditional sport that I didn't have to play tennis twelve hours a day <laughs> and then go home and twitch my serve. So you know what I mean, man. That's that's, the, that's, that's where the the boundary of the physical and the mental comes in yeah, for sure because true. it's mental burnout, whereas in physical or traditional yeah. sports, obviously yeah. physical burnout. Okay, so then let's talk about the mental burnout of that. Have you ever been impacted by that? Like, have you ever felt that level of just I'm spent? Yes. Definitely have. Uh, so when I was young, I went pro at 18 years old, um, but I was playing obviously long before then. I was just excited to, to be playing the game. I Mental health wasn't something that I was really focused on because that never had impacted me, essentially. Um, and up until I would say like two years ago uh, was the first time where I had really noticed the decline. Um, and I didn't really take the proper steps beforehand. And I didn't have like the warning signs of myself to have the, the self-awareness to stop that from happening. Um, so I was on... Uh, a different team a couple of years ago going through a pretty rough stint uh, in terms of like placings and just team performance overall. And uh, it got pretty dark. I was contemplating like retirement. Um, I didn't know where my career was going to take me. Uh, I didn't know if I was even capable of playing anymore. Um, so that's the self-doubt had definitely crept in. And like I said, since I didn't really have any prior experience with dealing with mental health issues, it kind of all hit me like a truck. Uh, and it was, it was definitely something that I had to navigate being an adult um, and trying to figure out how to just get out of that headspace. Um, that's where Michael, when you mentioned the, the team liquid thing, like the mental performance coaches come in. Um, we had one that was phenomenal with a hundred thieves or LA thieves or, um, so the team understands that and they've made space for that within their facilities for yes. you all to have that the same as a chef, the same as a yep. masseuse. So we have, um, and that's new. Like that's, you yeah, know, very new. my that's college, cool. you know, that's new. And one thing, and Sam, please talk more about this. It's always hard as an athlete to know, am I mentally ill or do I just keep losing and losing sucks? You know what I mean? Like, yeah. like I, it hurts to lose it. You take it personally. You work so hard and you're losing. It's like a slump is different than like I'm depressed, yeah. but there are some crossover. So how did you do it? definitely is. I mean, it's nuts. It's uh, I think the only way to really differentiate between the two is how much work that you're putting in. I mean, if you are doing the bare minimum, you're sliding by and you're losing, then you can really self-reflect and be like, look, I'm not doing what I could be doing right now. Someone should have my job. That isn't me. Um, whereas on the, the opposite end of the spectrum, if you're putting in 10 to 12 hours a day, if you're watching VOD, if you're doing everything you possibly can to get better and you're still losing, you need to have the, the mental acuity to be like, look, I'm doing everything I can. I'm putting 110% into what I'm doing right now. Um, so that that's a thing that you can take away. Maybe your team isn't great. Maybe then you can look outside and not pass blame, but you can understand that you are doing whatever you possibly can in that situation. Um, and that was something I had to learn because when I was doing poorly, um, I really didn't understand that. So I wasn't doing everything that I could have been doing at the time. And once I started and I started to feel a lot better because it's like, look, even if the results aren't there, I know that I'm putting my best foot forward. So um, there's definitely crossover. Like you mentioned, it's just having to navigate that crossover is very, very hard to do. Yep. Can you go on injured reserve for my mind ain't right. Like how does it, when you're talking about this is a team based sport and mm -hmm. you can be replaced by somebody, I don't know how your JV squad or your minor league or how you get called up from the G league goes in that, in that world. 
But if somebody replaces you and they do better than you, you ain't getting your job back. That, so <laughs> that is very true. What is the um, pressure of choosing to endure mental health struggles instead of just literally taking a break and unplugging from everything? So up until a couple of years ago, it was very taboo to do that. That's I mean, mental health in general wasn't really looked upon until a couple of years ago as a, a serious topic. And Call of Duty held that that same sentiment. Um, there have been cases where people have said, look, I, I'm burnt. I can't do this right now. Um, I'm not in the headspace to compete. I am just a burden to my team, essentially. That has happened um, over the last couple of seasons in multiple different cases. Uh, and to answer your question, there are substitutes on rosters that that will step in for um, that player, whether it be like, hey, I just need a, a week. Uh, I need X amount of time. doesn't matter. Um, and again, to your point, if they start performing very well, it it feels pretty rough. Um, but nine times out of 10, the player will either be traded the next season um, if that is something that ends up happening um, or the player will just come back outright and be like, look, I feel a lot better. I'm in a much better uh, mental state than I was prior. Um, but yeah, mental so health. So it's like quarterbacks um, in football, basically. If you lose your job to the backup, you still have worth exactly. in the league. Like you're, you're, you're going to have name value. You're going to be like, look, this guy was playing extremely well prior to his break, and maybe his break made him feel 10 times better. Um, so you still have name value when, when that case happens. That also has happened to your point where the, the, a substitute will step in and, and perform well. Um, that's kind of how new air, uh, new players enter the league in general. Um, but. But this, uh, this, this, is, this is pro sports. I mean, the stakes are high and there's real money. It's, so it's not like a participation trophy for everyone. So it's That's like, right. <laughs> you know, I mean, it, it sucks. It sucks. But if someone steps in and does better than you, you got to really think about you gonna if do? you're going to pop off. Yeah, yeah. That's right. I see one of Sam's mental health uh, strategies uh, yes. just ran into the room. That's right. <laughs> because well, everybody who competes or performs at a high level – Needs something that loves it condi- unconditionally. That's right. Uh, oh, cameo. Are we dog cameo? Oh, okay, the dog cameo. <laughs> Trying to get those likes. Look, I can There's bomb all day. I, I can bomb all day at a comedy club, but as soon as I come home, this little idiot licks me and tells me I'm funny. That's all I need. <laughs> oh, hear the door open. Hear the door open. <laughs> but yes, to, to your point, it definitely helps. Have you ever up. fired a real gun? Uh, no, I have not, no. which is strange because I am from somewhere that uh, loves hunting in, in the dirty mm. south. So, yeah, no, I have not. Sam, across all leagues, now you play at an optimum level in your craft. At some of the lower level leagues, um, have you seen an increase in the level of support that esports leagues are providing to the players with regards to mental health? Like, I understand the care that you got. So but, like, it would be like the G League in the NBA, for example? Yeah, yeah, or double-A baseball and things like that. Uh, yeah, I think it's just with a rising tide lifts all ships kind of situation. Um, once the league franchised and we got that huge influx of money, like I mentioned beforehand, um, it kind of helped everyone. Uh, I know that there was a large um, structure put in place for, we call it challengers, that's like the that's our, our thing. Um, so when you're talking about the challenger league, there is a lot more structure than there used to be. Uh, I mentioned the wild, wild west a little ago. It was very much like that. Um, but now there's there's a lot of different organizations. There are uh, professional teams that have academy rosters or challengers rosters um, that are direct, directly linked to uh, the CDL teams. There are separate entities in their own that just Bro, that's British a, Premier League soccer shit where we yes, draft exactly. you at 14 exactly. and you are part of our organization. Exactly. That is exactly correct. Wow. I understand when I watch the NFL 
how they make money. Uh, how are these where how are they making money? Like why would they invest? It's not broadcast yet. There's a, there's a little bit of broadcast, but like how are where is the money coming in for esports? Is it the sale of the game? So there's a couple different avenues. Um, the main one, obviously, is advertising and selling sponsorships, as as you do in general. Um, for the individual, such as myself, uh, there are you know brand deals. I have an agent, similar to how an NFL would do it. Um, you know, I can't go on a commercial with, with State Farm and Patrick Mahomes, but I can do um, some one-offs. You know, something for like Herman Miller or just you know brands in general that would want to work with you. Mm-hmm. Um, they're streaming on Twitch. There's a lot of revenue there. You can do mm-hmm. YouTube. So it's just content as an individual uh, on the individual level is probably the number one, as well as your salary, which I'll get into. On the league level, it's a lot of brands. It's a lot of selling partnerships. Um, and on the organization level that's where you have the tie to uh basically insanely rich people um that like to do esports or have an mm-hmm. in interest in it so i used to play for the seattle surge uh they're partnered with the canucks we uh i currently play for the la thieves which is a branch of 100 thieves um they are one of like a the triple a uh esports organization they had a series a investment when they first started their company invested by drake you said like rick fox and echo fox there are multiple different uh cases over esports where people just have an interest and happen to have a lot of money and uh so i mean it's it's never a bad thing um you know i'm i'm salaried and it 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 provides my living and there's a huge structure, you know, I have insurance. It's, it's a lot of different things. But with that celebrity involvement that has not made it mainstream or uncool in any way. I I think it's, I think it's the exact opposite. I think that, yeah. Funnily enough, to, to Drake's to involved, not Screech. There, there you go. Um, <laughs> no. So to, to talk about the celebrity thing just for a second, um, I think the pandemic really moved video games into the, the spotlight. I think beforehand it was pretty taboo and it was nerdy to, to just put it blatantly um, if you played video games. And I think the pandemic with everyone being inside kind of tied everyone together. Like, look, I can't go out. I don't have anything to do. Let's all hop on Warzone and, and, and hang out. So um, I think it, it brought celebrities into the limelight. Uh, you look at like Kyler Murray. He just has memes around him that he plays Call of Duty on his, his Microsoft Edge when he's when he's on the field. You know, Drake, like I said, is a, a series of investor of 100 Thieves. Um, there's there's a bunch I've of different Post examples. Malone is even like... Exactly. He, he <laughs> loves Apex and was on Complexity. So I've met a lot of these guys. I've met celebrities strictly because I played video games. And these are things that I never would have been able to do otherwise. And it's kind of cool because it's an icebreaker. You can go up and, and you can talk shit to them. You can do it, it humanizes them. Because when you see these people and you see Drake, he's like, dude, why would I ever put myself in the same room as this guy? I wouldn't even know what to say. But it gives you the opportunity to be able to speak freely and not be as nervous. Um, and okay. obviously, that's just an extremely privileged standpoint because I could talk to these people. But Because that's always my thing. I just want to make sure that... It- I think it's cooler if they're legitimate fans and have some level of emotional investment in what's happening versus this just being, I've put some money on this and I'm here (laughs) to check on my, like, like almost earnest in the way that like Ryan Reynolds and Rob McElhaney bought that soccer team um, over in England, but they're legit there and running the team. Like they are invested in care versus just somebody yeah, this is my liquor Attaching line. Name to it. Yeah. What the fuck do you know about liquor? Uh, yeah, yeah uh, tequila. Buy my tequila. Did you go down yeah. there and check on your tequila plants, bitch? Did you? <laughs> you probably did. Yeah. After the break, uh, Costa, I want to talk to you about your experience going 
mm. to one of these tournaments, what it was like. We need to talk about the salary, Sam. I don't want to mm. pocket watch you, but I want to know kind watch. of. Okay, we're pocket watching. Give us the median. We don't need your number, but give us the median. And uh, I want to talk a little bit about uh, women representation within your sport as well. This is Beyond the Scenes. We'll be right back. The wait is over. The shy is back on Paramount Plus, and the stakes have never been higher. Everything changes on the South Side when a new threat comes to power in the Showtime original series from Emmy winner Lena Waithe. Battle lines will be drawn, alliances will shift, and danger lies around every corner, leaving everyone to wonder who they can trust. Visit ParamountPlus.com slash shot to get a 50% discount off the Paramount Plus with Showtime annual plan. Offer ends July 14th. Subscription auto-renews. Restrictions apply. Like many of us, you might think identity theft will never happen to you. But consider this. There's a new identity theft victim every three seconds in the U.S. That's over 15 million people by the end of this year, equal to the populations of New York, Los Angeles, and Chicago combined. Even worse, identity theft victims often don't even know they're victims. That's why LifeLock Identity Theft Protection alerts you to identity threats even the ones that don't show up on a credit report, like data breaches, fraudulent bank transactions, loan and credit card applications, and crimes committed in your name. If your identity is stolen, your own dedicated LifeLock U.S.-based restoration specialist will work to fix it. LifeLock protects you in ways that you simply can't on your own. Join now and save up to 25% your first year at lifelock.com slash iHeart. That's lifelock.com slash iHeart to save up to 25%. Identity theft protection starts here. Beyond the scenes, we're rounding third and headed for home talking esports. Now, Michael Costa, you went to one of these esport events. Now, I'll give you my scope of knowledge. We have the Wiz with Fred Savage. Yep. <laughs> where he went to play um, Super Mario 3. That's right. Holy shit. Before it came out. It, the whole movie was basically a commercial for Mario commercial, 3. Yeah. yeah it, it got my ass. <laughs> and then I also have The Last Starfighter, where a dude was so good at a video game that an alien from space came down and said, Can you help free our oppressed people with your video game skills? That's my spectrum of knowledge right. Right. of being good at video games <laughs> and being invited to do it at a pinnacle. I don't Yo, that's even a, know the second reference. That's uh, a cult those, hit, bro. Those are yeah. some references, let me tell you. Yeah. Those are some tier one Deep references. Deep cuts. I'm 44 years old. I'm old. <laughs> so when you when you step into the Barclays, Costa, like mm-hmm. just the array of people there, like what's the demo for this? Is it 14 to 40? Is it just young yeah. people? That's a good question. Well, you know, my my previous knowledge of this was that documentary, The King of Kong. I don't know if you ever saw that about the yeah, competitive the Kong. Donkey Kong. And I remember putting that maybe in the DVD player thing. What is this trash? Why did my brother make me watch this? And immediately am suckered into because it's it's about competition. It's about watching people compete at and at their highest level so i love that so barclay center i definitely felt fish out of water i definitely felt like i was the tallest person there 
Uh, there was 20, <laughs> there was 20,000 people there. I immediately was envious and jealous of the fandom of the passion of the enthusiasm of the energy, you know, tennis, you clap like this. Uh, I maybe had two people at my matches. I was watching team liquid compete in counter-strike and all the, uh, fans, audience members, you know, whatever you call them, they're wearing these bracelets and, when one team would place the bomb on the the other team, you know, and I'm I'm going to butcher the sport, but when one bomb gets placed, a, a clock starts ticking down, and every time a second goes off, everyone in the stadium's bracelet pulses, twenty thousand pulsing bracelets. So then, as the bomb gets closer and closer to going off, these bracelets start glowing. Ugh. 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 To to add to the terrifying notion that this bomb's going to explode soon. So I'm like standing. It's so cool, Roy. I'm standing there like there's 20,000 bracelets going brighter red, brighter red. And the other team's trying to like defend or find the bomb or whatever the shit. To defuse it. You know, yeah. Defuse. <laughs> it was like, oh, shit, esports. You guys tied in the fans in the game. That was a badass move. And that was when I was sold. Now. I didn't I don't play and I didn't buy the jersey, but I immediately <laughs> I immediately got it and gave it some props because it was it was a fun environment. Sam, are people betting on this shit? Because yeah. if this is like, wait, Absolutely. I'm sorry, you what? On, you, you bet on DraftKings. <laughs> on DraftKings, I can just go on a gambling app and just go, yeah, give me $40 on Sam yeah. to score yeah. to get 15 oh, kills. Do, throw out some parlays, you do whatever you want. Wow. That's a level of knowledge <laughs> that I do not possess about this. Right. So if it's 20,000 people, I'm you're streaming. You guys, it's the exact same thing. I'm, I'm, I'm sitting here preaching. It's the same thing. So if it's being live streamed, there's revenue coming from that. And eventually that has to trickle back to the players at a, at a high level. We're pocket watching, Roy. It's pocket watching time. At a high level, could I make six figures doing yes. this for a living? Yeah. Absolutely. Um, so when you're a member of the CDL, whether that be substitute or on the starting roster, your minimum salary is $50,000. You cannot make under $50,000 if you are a contracted CDL professional. Player. How long is the season? Uh, the season is nine months. So okay. it's basically a school year. It's the exact same That's school year. Every okay. Season. You got your time off. Um, so and then you make your side hustles on Twitch and do other do streams. You get exactly. your celebrity stuff. Okay. See. Uh, the high end, you're making high six figures. Hmm. High sixes, mid mid to mid to high sixes on the the extreme cases. Like the the highest played player in the league makes high six figures. Um, I'm in the middle. I'm not going to say where. So just um, so people who aren't good with their figures, six figures is a hundred thousand dollars. So you're yes. saying mid to high, you can make half a million. Can make half a million to about five hundred thousand. Damn, is like the the majority of the league. I probably say eighty percent. That's awesome. So when you when you look at the research you know, with all of these different teams, at least the research on our side, there seems to be a lack of representation of women in esports. Have you seen that number slowly growing over the span of your career? Talk about where representation is for women when you started versus where you see it going today. Because I would imagine there isn't a need for a women's league. Like, we're not going to get into muscle mass and size difference. It's your thumb. Mm-hmm. Move your, Can you move your they thumb th- as they fast got as I can? Too. 
<laughs> so yeah. it's funny you asked because I think the was it it was either yesterday or the day before um, there was the first uh, woman to qualify for the Challengers Elite, which is basically like their tournament that is in the Challenger League. Um, that was the first time in forever uh and that was like two days ago i think um so definitely there's there's more women representation every year it's building and i think that that's just across esports as well i don't even think that's specific to call of duty you know valorant has women's leagues they have full-blown uh i don't know what they they call it in valorant but they have like academy rosters they have a full-blown league uh strictly for women so i think that as uh, as the year goes on or as the years go on excuse me i i can't help but agree that that as time goes on there's just more and more women representation which is incredible to see um specific to call of duty i think we're lagging behind just a tad um, because it's not really something that i think uh women really gravitate towards i think valorant is probably leading the space right now in terms of just esports as a whole because uh, i was watching that the other day and no joke and it was legitimately impressive because i am horrific at valorant i i can't <laughs> i can't play on keep board mouse at all to save my life in any aspect thank god i have a controller to to make my living on um but yeah i think women are are definitely trailblazing in the space right now for sure is there in terms of the fight for because i don't want to i want to be very careful about not rolling the esports community into the gaming community as a whole right i feel like they're two right. different things very like, separate you very have separate. professional gaming which where there might be some degree of gender discrimination and you're saying that there are leagues and that there are efforts being that there are efforts to make things more equitable for women but Absolutely. on the gaming side we're just talking a regular joe blow gamer in the basement women are subjected to all types of harassment and trolling and bullying and doxing how much can the esports community do to try to speak out against that it's kind of like the racism in soccer soccer's not racist but there's a lot of the fans that yeah. be talking crazy in them stands so has the esports community been able to do anything i guess to speak out about that or try to stop and curtail that I think that transcends the esports community. I think that becomes just like a, a humanity thing and trying to be a, a good person in general. Um, but to your point, absolutely. Uh, I think just trying to be as positive as you can about the space. And I think that gaming definitely has that stigma attached. Michael, since you're such a, a filthy casual, I'm sure that you could, uh, you probably agree <laughs> that, you know, there, there are people that when you talk about video games, they're just people that are assholes. And I think that's in all walks of life. Uh, unfortunately, I think that you're absolutely right, Roy. Um, you know, the sexism and stuff like that, it, it definitely is not great for the space not even just esports but video games and, and life in general that's something that we need to be a lot more progressive on um you know i i do my best to to spread as much positivity in my stream as i can and i'm i'm very welcoming to to anyone but um you're, you're definitely not wrong there and i think that when you have women transcending in esports and becoming you know like i said with the valorant thing or or her name is kelsey in in call of duty um when you have these women making headway in the space i think that sets an example because you know these women could kick your ass in the video game that you're talking shit about. So I think that yeah. is something that, um, you know, hopefully down the line in a couple of years or hopefully sooner, um, progression is made, but I mean, that's just a humanity thing in general, just trying to be a good person. I don't think that's necessarily an esports thing. There's something beautiful as we get more women playing, um, competitive esports, in particular call of duty. There's something beautiful about men and women, trying to kill each other in a video game. <laughs> it's very romantic. You know I mean, romantic. like, that is, right now, it's mostly men trying to kill each other, but it adds such a beautiful complexity when it's both genders, both working together <laughs> and also working against each other. 
and that was your takeaway from this whole segment, Costco? It's a filthy casual. I like it. <laughs> no, but I mean, you talked about it a little bit at the top, Costa, but, you know, as a casual coming into this and having covered it, how did it change your view of just, you know, even just the idea that video games make people crazy? Right. Like, right. like, like in theory, right? Like they go, oh, video games make people violent. But then you have love that take. That's a, such a yeah. Great I know it's such a hack take. I know you have an arena full of people watching violence and people doing violence. How do they? Why aren't they all fighting? Well, you know, I I just was reminded and humbled that what I think is one way is what I think, but it's so important to step out of your comfort zone because I one hundred percent would be the dad. That would say, get off the video games, go outside, get off the video games, go outside. But then you walk into the Barclays Center and 21,000 tickets were sold. And I just say, this is another healthy outlet. I know they're, well, and, you know, they're, they're doing a violent game or whatever. But it was, it, it was really fun to see the team. There was a team aspect. There was a coach. They were learning lessons. There was people that were disappointed. There was people that had achieved that day. It was preparing them for all facets of life. That's cool. So, just to interject really quick, that was your first and only experience with esports, correct? That, that right. Counter Strike tournament. Yeah. You probably picked the best thing that you could have possibly done to have your to 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 do your for your first yeah. time. Yeah. Um, well, that's probably why we picked it too. Counter Strike fandom uh, is kind of one on its own. I think it's a league above the rest. Uh, not to make the joke, but League of Legends is also very good. Mm-hmm. Uh, Counter-Strike has such passion behind it, um, it, and it transcends the game as well. It goes to nationality. The European Counter-Strike, um, you know, Team Liquid was Brazilian Counter-Strike. There are, it's you could compare it to soccer. I mean, there's legitimate fandom when it comes to nationalities within Counter-Strike, and that's why it's so incredible. Like, when North America does well, people are losing their minds. Um, you know, years and years ago, uh, Cloud9 was doing incredible. They, they won a major with Shroud. So, um, it Counter-Strike is, I think, the extreme example of fandom in esports, and League of Legends is also incredible as well. Well, Sam, I can't thank you enough for coming on. Costa, thank you as well for contributing to this wonderful, wonderful conversation. Hope we converted Costa while we were here, Roy. I hope we did. Yeah. Yeah. Let's baby steps. Let's put him on a (laughs) Super Nintendo. Let's go to Thanks. six buttons. He's not ready for yeah. left L2, R2. He's <laughs> <L2>. not. <laughs> not quite the keyboard and mouse yet. <laughs> That's all the time we have for today, but hopefully by now we've taken you beyond the scenes. See you next week. Listen to The Daily Show Beyond the Scenes on Apple Podcasts, the iHeartRadio app, or wherever you get your podcasts. 2024. What's up, y'all? Janice Torres here. And I'm Austin Hankwitz. We're the hosts of Mind the Business, Small Business Success Stories, a podcast presented by iHeartRadio's Ruby Studios and Intuit QuickBooks. 
Join us as we speak with small business owners about the tools they use to turn their ideas into success. From finding that initial spark of entrepreneurship to organizing payments and invoices, we've got you covered. So follow and listen to Mind the Business Small Business Success Stories on the iHeartRadio app or wherever you get your podcasts.